There we go. Is that coming through okay? Yeah. It's always difficult to know kind of when to move on. Uh, that's the great thing about being at a leaders meeting when you're not in charge of it, because you think, well, someone else's problem. I just... Uh, <laughs> And, yeah, so it's our problem, just sitting there thinking, oh, what do we do? Uh, but I, I really encouraged with just what God has just been saying. Is it, um, I think it fits quite well with some of the things I wanted to share this morning. Um, it's good to see you, the way. Good to be together slightly um, later in the year than we are normally in January. And uh, so that's spring has sprung. Uh, and uh, I think last time we were just reflecting, it was like about minus eight when we met last year in January. So um, it's nice to see the sun. Nice to see you all. I'm glad you could make it. It's a little bit different this time because we've got another one of these in uh, uh, on the mainland of Europe um, next month. So some people are uh, going over to that one, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, if you'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 54, I just wanted to share a few thoughts with you. Uh, as some of you know, I take January, I'm, I'm thankful I have the opportunity each January to um, take that month to um, study and pray and to seek God and to think um, and strategize and try and just sort of try and hear what I think God is saying to us. And I also use the opportunity to meet with people perhaps who I don't meet with usually, perhaps people outside of the circles that we normally um, uh, see, and uh, just to learn. I do believe in, in lifelong learning. I, I do think that every leader, however long you've been leading, there's, uh, we've never, we never stopped learning. And uh, there's always something that God wants to keep uh, bringing to us and helping us with. And um, a couple of, uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute, because one of the things that happened while I was in January sort of led me to share what I'm going to share this morning. But just one little bit of um, in, what I thought was encouraging feedback from January is um, Terry Virgo has, for a few years now, uh, in January, gathered over two days a number of leaders of different movements, networks, streams, churches, different, different flavors of churchmanship across the, the nation. And um, I had the privilege of being invited to that this year. It's the first time I've been. And um, we just spent a couple of days. And it really is quite informal, so it's just really a case of going around the circle and sharing what's going on and just praying for each other. And then the second morning, we just prayed for revival in the nation. And... Um, I just thought it was, I mean, I've been in church leadership, you know, many, many years now. And I have to say that the atmosphere and the environment, the attitude, the humility, um, the brotherly tenderness and affection in the room was something I don't think I've witnessed in quite the same way anywhere before. Uh, I thought it was incredibly encouraging there was no ego in the room. There was not a case of, you know, my movement's bigger than your movement, and, you know, or my movement is right and your movement is wrong. It, it, it wasn't any, any of that. It was just um, brothers dwelling together in unity. And uh, I thought, how much that must please the Lord, you know, where brothers dwell together in unity, God, God commands a blessing. And Jesus' great prayer is that they might be one. That's, that's, and actually, that's the whole point of Ephesians 4 ministries. We, we often concentrate on what they are, but um, 
before what they are is what they're there for, which is that we might all mature and grow and become one, uh, which is what Jesus is after. So I thought that was encouraging just to share with you that right across, you know, I mean, there was every kind of, you know, flavor of church there. And really wonderful just to see folk really committed to praying for each other and praying for revival. And if our, uh, I would say our nation, but our nation's Western Europe really does need revival, doesn't it? I mean, more than ever. I mean, we, we, uh, I don't say that out of desperation because God has his purposes, his timing, and I do believe the best is yet to be. The best days are yet to be. Amen? Because that's what the Bible says, not because what I say. That's what the Bible says. So I draw my comfort and strength from that. But that was really encouraging. That was a great couple of days together, and um, I felt um, very blessed to be at that. One of the other things I did in January uh, was Sue and I went to have, uh, have lunch with um, Sandy and Annette Miller. Uh, so they don't live far from us now, and um, Sandy and Annette have been such a blessing at the uh, elders and wives weekend so we thought well let's pop down and have lunch with them so um that was very nice and um just after the meal we said well, let's just have a time of prayer together so you know just around the kitchen table just sat and prayed for each other just waited on god just to hear what he wanted to say and um annette brought this scripture to me which i'll just read uh, and as she uh read it, I felt, um, I mean, it's a scripture you hear many times, probably if you've been a Christian for you know, any length of time, you hear this scripture a lot. But as she read it, I, I felt the weight of God uh, on it. it. It was a sober moment. It, it wasn't a moment of um, uh, kind of uh, exuberance, thinking, oh, goody, this sounds exciting. It was a, it was a, it was a sober moment and she read this she said sing O barren one who did not bear break forth into singing and cry aloud you who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married says the lord enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out do not hold back lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes For you will spread out abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. Father, I pray you just help us in these verses to help me to try to communicate something of what I felt you uh, spoke to me about in that time and I pray that together as a family of churches we would hear you that's really what we're we want to hear you we want to be on the same page as you and so that we uh, understand what's going on in the heavenly realms uh, and so that we can together say let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Lord there's stuff you're up to and uh, we like it when you get up to stuff. And we want to be positioned so that we can really run with everything you want to say to us. Lord, we can't do anything, but we thank you that you've chosen us, that you might do a lot through us. And I pray that each one of us will just uh, uh, be encouraged and expanded in our hearts this morning through these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Um, I sound like I'm echoing a little bit. Is that um, is that dis- distracting anybody, or it's just me? Is it? Am I standing in the wrong place? Is it one leg? Or? Pardon? It is a bit echoey. Yes, I don't know if that can be adjusted. Thank you, Dan. Uh, so I, I thought just let's just really to go through those verses. I, I went home after that time and just started to pray and say, "Well, Lord, I, I felt your the weight of these verses, and what do they?" mean and I felt God just give me some things that I hope will be of help to us some will be a little bit um, a sense of strategic and where are we going and some will be perhaps a little bit more devotional in how do we how do we respond how do we position ourselves and um, in verse one it says sing O barren one and that's a strange thing to instruct someone to do who's barren um, if you think about it practically um, and obviously you know a great uh, trying to be sort of sensitive to anyone who's struggled with those kinds of issues, childlessness and trying to conceive and all those things, just practically, physically, you know, you want help and uh, you want to try and find medical solutions and all that kind of stuff. And I guess if you went to the doctors and said, look, I've got this issue, want to try and uh, can you help us? And he said, well, just sing three times a day. It would almost be slightly cruel. I uh, think, well, that's not helping me. Um, and many times we can uh, feel that when we have issues we want God to help us with, we, we go to him wanting a solution, and he actually gives us something to do that seems to be completely removed from fixing the problem. And he says, sing, O barren one. It's <laughs> sing, uh, sing, O barren one. I think the point of it is this. We don't need to have anything on the plate to be confident of eating. That's the point, God is saying. You, you don't have to have something there in order to know a meal's going to be provided. Circumstances don't have to point to something happening before God can do something. Barrenness is a static situation. There's nothing there. There's nothing to, there's nothing to give you hope. It's, it's, a, it's a state that needs changing. But I think God likes it when those who cannot, should not, and have not start trusting him to do, allow, and enable. There's something about the heart of God that loves it when we just position ourselves so that we will sing when there's nothing. God created out of nothing. That's the essence of faith, isn't it? We believe God created out of nothing. The world was, uh, there was God created the universe out of nothing. He spoke and there was when before there wasn't. He doesn't have to have anything to work with. As someone once said, God pulled the rabbit out of the hat without having a rabbit or a hat. There's, there is a, this ability with God. He, he speaks and things happen. He doesn't have to have anything to work with. Lazarus was dead. And God spoke and he came out. People were hungry and Jesus fed them. The blind couldn't see and, and they could see. People were unwell and became well. What, it, what is required really is to know what God intends to do and to position ourselves ready for it so that God finds it easy to work through us. That's, that's what sing O barren one is all about to position ourselves so that when God does his stuff he finds it easy to work through us we're well positioned for it and singing O barren one singing is all about celebrating what is going to happen it's about celebrating the fact we can't see now what God intends how how God intends to do this but we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing. We're going to rejoice. We're, we're trusting God that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Now, for each of us here, leading in different ways in church, 
Uh, some of you oversee children's work, and you say, oh, I just long that we'd double in size, or we'd have loads more children. They start to come to know the Lord. Perhaps some of you wanting to plant a church, and you think, oh, we just need to get up to 30 people before we can have a core team to go and do it. Or you might want a building, or you need your, your leadership team needs to be re-engineered. Or there's 101 things that, that we're thinking of that would make us not barren, that would make us fruitful, that would make us, for us as a church, whatever church you're from, would make you think, if this happened, we'd be fruitful. We wouldn't be barren in this area anymore. Lord, we don't want barrenness. We want to see fruitfulness. And God would say sing. So that's really important what we were just doing before we actually get into doing stuff and talking about where we're going. I felt just as we were worshipping, it's like God saying, because of what's going to happen, it's all the more important you learn how to just be with him. Because of what's going to happen, busyness, fruitfulness, all kinds of stuff, expansions coming. It really is. Stuff's going to happen. But if we haven't first learnt to sing when we're feeling barren, to sing ahead of what God does, then we'll hit problems later because singing is a, is a lifestyle, isn't it? It's a, it's, a thing to, it's a thing to do whether anything's happening or not. Though if the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no vines on the vine, yet I will praise God. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's something God wants us to have as a lifestyle. We sing whatever's happening. Sing, O barren one. And, so when, and when he says that stretch out, it's not blind optimism. You know, there are eternal promises that God has given us, carried into all generations. In Psalm 105, I, I love these little verses in Psalm 105, verse 8 to 11. Um, just find that. It says, uh, He, the Lord, remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. And he's, what, what, the, what he's saying there in the Psalms is that God has made eternal promises to Abraham that every generation is still living in the good of. We are living in the good of the promises to Abraham. And they're still not fulfilled. We are, uh, that's why we can sing. Sing, O barren one. We might think, goodness, we need the Lord to move in this nation. We can sing. Because God's made promises to Abraham as the prophetic word came about Abraham. God's spoken things over your life and my life and over our churches. He's spoken them irrespective of what it looks like now. Do you get that? It's really vital. We say, well, Whatever it looks like now, God has made promises that are eternal in nature. And they, they will never be undone. They'll never be defeated. They'll never be thwarted. However barren the situation is, however much we longing to see something break through, the first thing God wants us to do ahead of expansion is sing and to rejoice in what he has promised. Not, to, not blind optimism, but trusting that there's a bigger, unchanging promise of God that underpins everything in our lives, positioning ourselves appropriately, knowing that, that, uh, that God is able to do what he's what he's promised. And I think that God often requires from us obedience that seems 
to have nothing to do with the achieving of the task. Uh, so, for example, we might think, well, we want to plant churches all over the place. We want to uh, see hundreds of people saved, so evangelism programs and uh, all kind of whatever we're doing. Uh, and we think, right, let's, we need to plan that. And actually the first thing God says is, is actually I want you to do things that are just obedient to what I've asked you to do and may, may look like nothing to do with achieving the task. For example, praying. I mean, prayer is such an offence to the Western mind because it appears physically that you are talking to yourself in a room and not actually doing anything about any of the things you want to be done. It's such an offence to the mind, and yet it is the means by which God has, has said to us, if you pray, I will hear and answer. It's just so counterintuitive in the world we live. And God often requires us to do things that seem to be completely unrelated to achieving the task. So when Joshua's around Jericho, you know, walk around the walls and blow a trumpet. That's not standard practice for demolish, demolishing a wall. It's, it's, it's not seemingly anything to do with the task. Apparently, historically, they have discovered um, that the walls fell outwards. Um, there seems to be some historical archaeology to prove that, which is not what you'd expect from a city under siege. You'd expect the walls to fall inwards. But it seems that God made the walls fall outward because it was obedience to what God asked them to do that actually um, brought the fruitfulness in the end. So the first thing we have to do, if we stand here as a family of churches now and we say, right, Lord, there's a massive agenda ahead of us, things we'd love to see, things in our hearts, locally in our each own situation across this nation and into the nations where you call us, there's loads of things we'd like to see. The first thing God seems to say in a context of expansion, is sing. Just enjoy who he is, worship him for who he is, celebrate what he's promised before he does anything and make that a lifestyle. Make that a lifestyle. The next thing is it says, enlarge the place of your tent. This is really, this really got me thinking. Think, well, what, what does that mean? How, what does it mean to enlarge the place of your tent? Well, the first thing you have to think is, where do you want to put the, the stakes in the ground? Um, I guess probably if you went around this room and we all had uh, kind of a practical thing to do, he said, right, I want you to uh, spread out these tent pegs, spread out this tent, make it bigger. We'd all have a different view of what big was. Um, I always find with God it's best not to tell him what big is <laughs> because there's always something, uh, you know, that, that, that he, it's best to just wait for him to do that first. So... What does it mean? Well, I think it's more to do with um, culture than it is to do with strategy. And I'll explain that uh, in a minute. Um, I I have to say that I'm convinced that for some unfathomable reason, God has a big agenda for us as a family of churches. I, I, I genuinely am convinced, and I... I felt when Annette was reading this, I just felt again God saying to me, look, I've made some decisions about what I'm going to do. I'd like you guys, I'd like you folks to be involved in it. Are you up for it? Rather than, Lord, we'd really like you to help us. It's, it's not coming from us. This is coming from God. I think God has an agenda that is much bigger than we would perhaps describe, that we would perhaps you know, define for ourselves. And I I struggle sometimes to put words to it because I, 
I kind of think, well, can I say that? Is that fair to say that? Is that, you know, is that a bit overstating it? But I have to just be honest and say I'm convinced that in some way God wants us to have some influence in a global way. Now, I know that's, that's, well, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. I just feel when God says, enlarge the place of your tent, I think there's something in his heart that intends us to catch us up in something way beyond what we naturally would define for ourselves. So that when we see it happening, all we can do is say, well, only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Now, it's not being um, nervous and not going for it, but it's a bit like David and Goliath. You know, David comes with just some stones and a sling, and he thinks, well, this is all I've got. There's a big purpose ahead. and it's like David just used what he had to, to, but he knew that God's calling was on his life. And David was able to look at Goliath and say, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know your head's coming off. You know, if, and I kind of feel that's kind of what God wants to put into us, that we might just look at our little stones and sling and think, well, okay, we've got a bit of stuff here where we know how to fire a few stones, but a global reach... And I think God always wants us to just get a little bit of confidence in him to say, Lord, I don't know quite how you're going to do this, but I know his head's coming off. That there's something a little bit within us that says, no, Lord, I believe you. Abraham believed God. He faced the fact his body was as good as that. He faced, you know, and yet against all hope, in hope, he believed. He, he didn't shirk back. He didn't hide back from what God had said. He he was able to say, no, I be- I'm fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he said. And Abraham had a global calling. There's something about being part of God's church that in essence our DNA is always going to be global because we're children of Abraham. And I feel there's something God wants to just broaden us in. And, and this is where it then gets uh, complicated because we think to ourselves, and these are the things I sort of just sort of trying to help you go through with me what I wrestle with in my thinking. I think, well, how, how do you expand? How do you enlarge the place of your tent? Does that mean we all just get busier? Does it mean just that the, the tent gets stretched until the point? How far can we stretch this until it all goes ping? I, think, I don't think that's how God wants us to build. I've always been convinced that we don't build a pyramid that just has that plateaus, but we multiply things. There's a multiplication factor that I think God wants to bring into us. So let me, I just want to, just bear with me while I just go through some, some things to do with culture, relational mission culture, what I, what I think is really important, because this governs how we will enlarge. Now, I found out this definition of culture, I think it was in a Mike Breen book, which I really liked, and um, culture is made up of vision, values, vocabulary, and vehicles. Well, I say that, I found this really helpful. Vision, values, vocabulary, and vehicles. So let's just, I'll just go through all of those very quickly, just so that I can show you what I'm trying to get at. Uh, vision, firstly. So when we think about vision for who we are as a family of churches, my question is this, what is the long game? What is, what is the long game? What's the, what's the thing that right at the end, the thing you look through the binoculars with, you can just see it on the horizon. It's not the, the now, but everything you do now helps towards that. What's the long game? Well, for me, I don't know if this is kind of uh, a defined vision statement that we'll end up with or whether it's just work in progress. I think probably one of the values of talking about it like this together is that we can all begin to mull it over a little bit and perhaps 
tinker around with it. I mean, most of the clever things we've come up with have nothing to do with me at all. <laughs> People have just kind of come up. I thought, that's right, even the name Relational Mission. Where, where's Andy Moyle? Is he here? He thought of that anyway. He's not even here. Where's he gone? Um, but, you know, he came up with that. And um, so it, it's about collectively just trying to catch the flavor and then trying to define things a little bit more. But if I, if I sum up what I think the vision is longer term, for me, I think it's about multiplying apostolic families in the nations through the raising up of spiritual sons and daughters. I'll say that again. It's about multiplying apostolic families in the nations through the raising up of spiritual sons and daughters. Now, how we're all involved in that, I'll explain as we go through. But to me, the long-term look through the binoculars, what would it look like at the end of life if you have the opportunity to look back? I'd love to see families of churches like this in many, many nations with apostolic teams, just multiplied teams, who we have had a hand in helping bring to birth. Do you get that? So it's not just building a flat structure, it's having sons and daughters. It's producing a family that goes way beyond just one flat structure. That, to me, is the end goal. Now, you might think, well, okay, um, how does that help me when I'm doing creche this week or whatever? Well, you have to go back from the big picture to actually think, right, everything we do, hopefully none of you are doing the creche, or some of you might be, we have to think about well, every step we take, whether it's an alpha course and we get more people saved that we then disciple and then get callings on their lives who may go and plant churches or be influential in the workplace or do, you know, everything we do feeds into this raising up more and more disciples so that we might see the church be multiplied through the nations. So when you trace it all back, it, it, it does all connect. It does all connect, but we have to have a vision that's beyond what any one of us achieve in order for us to have something collectively that we can only do together. Do you see what I mean? So it's, so it's about trying to define what that looks like and think, well, how do we then all play a part in that? In that? So whatever that looks like in terms of a strap line in the long term, I don't know. But to me, that's why I got involved in what I'm doing because I love the thought of multiplying sons and daughters in the nations, seeing other apostolic ministries and other Ephesians 4 ministries raised up who can even go on further and farther than I'm ever going to do so my ceiling becomes their floor. So to me, that's, what I'm, uh, that, that's the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing, that we might have loads of children, spiritually. Do you want that? Yeah. That we did loads of children. So we, ha- we are a family, and we're producing. So that's why we sing O Barren One. We can't see it yet. We think, well, we're, we're in a few nations, and we're learning as we go along. We feel like a very young family at the moment who's just brought their first two up, two down, and we're trying to work out which way up you stick the nappy at the moment. It's kind of all kinds of... We're trying to learn how to be a family and what the family, you know, trying to develop our DNA. But the long term is that we have children who have children who have children who become fathers who have children who become fathers. That's the, that's the end game. That, that to me is the, that's the prize. That's the prize. And I think we're only going to feel comfortable together if we all kind of get that, even if we've all got a different part to play in getting there if you see what I mean. So does that excite you as a vision in terms of this family on a move that's producing not as an end in itself, but that others might go beyond it? Because that's what makes me get up in the morning and go, Yahoo, really. I'm not interested in building a flatline structure. How much can we build so that it's Mike's thing? Really, I'm not interested. Not interested. It's to produce something that goes way beyond whoever any one of us individually are. It's way beyond that. 
And I'm convinced God has said that's what he wants to do. Which is why I have at times found myself on the beach in front of my house praying ridiculous prayers that I felt God has given me. Like, Lord, give me sons in Africa. Give me sons in Asia. Give me sons in Europe. Give me sons in the UK. Give me sons in America. Give me sons in South America. I've prayed big prayers. And I want you to pray big prayers because that's our inheritance. So wherever you are, we're all playing a part in raising up many sons to glory. So that's the big vision. And we'll spell all this out, you know, hopefully a little bit more when we get to our leadership conference in May. We'll just sort of put some more teeth on this. So the values, how do we do it? Very quickly, how do we do it? Values are really important. And um, Penny Taylor, James, James uh, who does all the management stuff, his wife Penny, brought this word at the um, Elders and Wives uh, weekend in no- November. It really arrested me. And there should be a little picture. Uh, I don't know if there's a little link on the notes there with a, a street map view um, somewhere, which is, should come up. But I'll just read, read this to you because she, she was coming, driving into, she said, as we were driving into Norwich on the Saturday from Aylsham, the sun was quite low in the sky. We came down the hill into Norwich approaching St. Augustine's and the buildings in Norwich were in silhouette. I could see the spire on the cathedral and it looked like a very large ship had sailed into Norwich. It was, in fact, the old HMSO building. Oh, there you can see it, right? So it looks like a great big ship. That's what she saw, anyway. It was, in fact, the old HMSO building at Anglia Square. But from the angle we were at, with the shadow cast by the sun, it really did look like some sort of warship or cruise liner. And it got me thinking. I felt God saying that the weekend was like the ship of relational mission being in dock in Norwich. And it was a kind of ship that had me puzzled. If I'm honest, I was trying to see it as a warship getting ready for battle, but the reality was that it looked more like a cruise liner with a large lookout platform and communications tower. I didn't like it being a cruise liner. It felt wrong. How could a good time be the right approach? What about spiritual warfare and battle? Over the course of the weekend, though, I felt very very at peace about it as God revealed that it wasn't one or the other. It was a new thing. This was a warship and a cruise liner and an icebreaker. It was a rescue ship. It had been specifically crafted to deal with all of the situations it would face. It was a new thing, a very specific and unique thing. There would, please listen to this bit, there would be battles fought and ground sea claimed, but there would also be fun and laughter and dinners at the captain's table and that this relational time could and would happen in the middle of a battle, and this wasn't wrong. Hallelujah. That's the way to fight. This ship would also provide shelter. Other boats could come alongside and tether and be safe for the time they needed to be. People could seek sanctuary on board. One thing that struck me about it was that it was formidable. The building is one of the highest in that part of the skyline, and if it had been a boat docked in Norwich, it would have been noticed. I felt there was strength in that, a good strength. Relational mission would be taken notice of. It would be visible. This was an encouragement about the direction in which relational mission is going. I felt God speak to me that he has designed RM the way it is for a purpose. It's different to other spheres and expressions of church apostolic. And if RM docked in a harbour, it would look very different to other ships. People would think it's a bit odd at first. But actually, once they had a tour of the ship, they would understand that it would challenge and provoke them. Um, Yeah, anyway. So when I read that, I thought, 
I really like that. I like this kind of values thing of battle, but fun. A funny battle. I mean, I, I kind of like that. You know, serious ground to be taken or about a serious task. But it's about relationship and fun and brothers and sisters and, and doing stuff together. Even, even moving on then to look at vocabulary as another part of culture, the vocabulary we use is really important. So when I like to talk about us as a family of churches, I don't like the word sphere. A sphere is something you kick. It's a ball. I don't want a sphere of churches. I hate it. We're kind of stuck with it because that's the language that's being used more broadly. But I want to redefine it. We are not a sphere. We are a family. And a family has uses language like fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, friends it, it, it's it's more tactile it's more soft in its language and we are the family of god are we not that's the language god uses it's from the father the whole family on earth derives its name that's biblical language so the the vocabulary we use so we're fighting battles we're planting churches we're touching nations we're seeing churches in this country push through the growth barriers multi-site buildings working with the poor, all the stuff we're doing, alpha courses, all of that stuff is in the context of a, a warfare that is relational and fun and we're building family while we're taking ground and we use language like fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. It's a family. Do you get that? I know, I know I'm t- telling you things I already know, but because of what's going to happen in the future, it's really important we get this in place now so that it's multiplied as things multiply. So the vocabulary matters. The vocabulary we use is about team. It's about empowerment. It's low control but high accountability. It's about loyalty. It's about multiplication of relationships leading to expansion of mission. Amen. What about the vehicles we use? Well, I'm going to cover a lot more about some of the things I feel God... Saying, saying to us to do in terms of stuff we actually, what are the vehicles we do to deliver this? We're going to cover that in the last news session today. But just a, a few things to say. I mean, um, I, I do feel that uh, it's going to be important that we put a lot of investment into training people in the future because people who are in their 20s or so now, if we don't put almost top heavy resources in training and equipping and releasing and nurturing and fathering and uh, release if we don't put in top heavy into that now in 15 years time we're in trouble really big trouble so we've got to massively give all uh, in this room there's massive amounts of wisdom experience all of us are kind of walking filing cabinets of stuff that if we use it rightly can really help someone on their journey, and I think that's going to be really important. It's going to be really important we learn how to pray corporately, and I'll share a bit about that this afternoon, that we actually have some real muscle to prayer. And I felt God's given me some, some ideas on that, which, again, I'll, I'll share. I think it might, we might, we're looking at possibly having some sort of big event that we can kind of... We've tended to be working at sort of just at leadership level at the moment because we've got to, you know, it's a little bit of a journey. We've got to, you know, not, not run before we can walk, but I'm hoping we might be able to have a bigger event where all the, all the churches can kind of buy in to come together to give a sense of connection to the bigger thing. So, you know, things like that. But we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. 
The point I really I want to just make is this, and I'm just coming into sort of uh, land a little bit, is we must, I believe, expect expansion. We must expect that. We must, we must expect things to constantly keep changing. Um, and the moment we kind of feel we've just got it organized, it'll then have to break out into something else. It'll have to. We just have to keep moving. And, and uh, it's so frustrating if you're an organizer because you oh, I've just got it all tidy now and then now it break out again it's break out again it's not like even you can even use what you did have it just doesn't fit anymore so you it's constantly um having to reinvent ourselves i, I think we as we bring more and more people to the party uh, it's really it's going to be about facilitating and uh, expansion means we burn our bridges expansion always creates exposure you don't leave a safety net just in case it's just interesting thing just at local church level faith isn't faith if there's a way back um, <laughs> it isn't it isn't it's like uh, it's like being on a diving board so i heard this recently it's like being on a diving board looking down and seeing an empty swimming pool and saying lord if you fill it i will jump and the lord says if you jump i'll fill it <laughs> i mean that's that's faith that you know, he doesn't fill it so that we can jump we jump, then he'll fill it. That's scary, because expansion brings vulnerability. There's a bit of canvas flapping about a bit. <laughs> Is this whole thing going to just take off and disappear over the garden fence? So we actually commit to spending money we haven't got. Are you doing that at local church level? Are you spending more than you've got? Because you should be. Because uh, otherwise, <laughs> yeah, that, that, got, that woke you up, didn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not personal financial advice. That's church financial advice. There, there is a difference in the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> if, it may, if it all adds up, there's something wrong. I mean, really? I mean, when did Jesus ever do anything because it added up? It's just not how he works. That's why Abraham was approved as a man of faith, because he looked at it, rationed it, thought, can't be done, but I believe you. And that's what, that, he, he's our forefather. He's, he's got the DNA we all live in. Uh, so we haven't just become more mature since Abraham. No, we've actually become, we've lost, we've lost something if we're not living like... So expansion brings vulnerability. It always creates exposure. I think, well, I've got it all nice and neat now. Now God wants to mess it up. So taking on a staff member you can't afford because you know you need that staff member. Good. Planting a church and we think, well, I don't really know if we're quite ready yet. But if God said it, good. I mean, that's how it works. We must set the stakes in the ground around what, not how. I find I get into problems when I look at God's promises and I try to figure out how he's going to do it. That never helps me. It just makes me stay in the boat. How do I walk on water? No idea, so I won't do it. Whereas if I focus on the fact the Lord has said, come to me, and I don't think about how, I think about what. 
Focusing on what is much healthier. What has God said to you in your church? What has God said to us? It's about then taking the step, trusting it, how it will work out. And lastly, in verse 3 it says, For you will spread to the right and the left. Now, there's a, <clears throat> there's a real philosophical thing that has to be decided when, you, when it says there you will spread to the right and the left. Let me just tell you a little bit. This is, hopefully this, this will interest you, right? I was reading a little bit about military history. This will please Morris. Military history, well, and Gavin being RAF men, although I know I'll talk about an army rather than an air force, but it's the same thing but on the ground, right? Um, <laughs> right, I was reading about the Prussian general staff. Now, the Prussian general staff eventually became the Third Reich, but just ignore that, right? In the, in the, in the, in the first, in the good old days before that happened, they, they created what became Mission Command. It, it became a philosophy of, of, of war that is, I think has been un, unsurpassed. And the way it worked was this. After the French Revolution, I sound like I, talk, I know what I'm talking about. Don't you? After the French Revolution, Prussia started to get worried because the Frenchies were militant. And they thought, we're going to be overrun here. Our army's too small, so they introduced conscription which meant that the Prussian army had suddenly mushroomed in size, but they still had the same command structure. And the command structure used to be that the general would sit astride his horse, and there would be a long line of soldiers, and he could see from one end to the other end. And so everything that needed organizing in the battle could be communicated by one general, because he could see the extremities of the battle. When conscription came in and the army became way, way bigger, they had to group soldiers in different ways, so you couldn't any longer see everything that was going on. Now, that either meant that the general had to be incredibly good at just knowing what was going on through different kinds of communication and organization, or it meant that you had loads of people running up and down the line, and he gives instructions, but by the time it gets to the other end of the line, you know, it's send four and sixpence, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. It just, so they had to come up with something new. So what they did was they, they gathered emerging generals, sort of, uh, yeah, they gathered the next tier and even the tier below them, in, um, people with, with potential, and they built what they called their doctrine. It's really interesting. They built their doctrine. And they, they would, around meal tables, around shared lives, they would discuss the philosophy of war. They would discuss what they'd do in different situations, how they wanted to, to fight, what are the kind of values they would make decisions by. They would discuss all these things in this smaller tighter circle, so that, and this is the key thing, so that they then empowered everybody so that as the line and the army got bigger and bigger, they knew that wherever anybody was in command further along the line, they knew that whatever situation they faced, the decisions on the ground would all be made through the same lens and value system because they'd hammered that out when they were small and they all knew they were on the same page. So it meant you could release uh, unlimited resources to unlimited areas because there was an agreed way of doing things that facilitated expansion. And for me, I think the way we need to think about the future is this. It doesn't just get bigger and bigger and we end up with one central organization thing with 
me and a few others making all the decisions and we can't see the end of the lines and nobody quite remember what we said anyway by the time the message got back down there. For me, the next phase is about reproducing and multiplying people on the ground in perhaps many, many far-off locations where there's, there's too many for one structure, but you know that wherever people have, have been given um, kind of uh, uh, a task or God has assigned them to something, you know that the same, wherever you cut the line, the value is going to be the same. Do you kind of get that? Now, that to get there is a massively challenging uh, and uh, unusual journey because it means we won't just build a very big organization. It means we will multiply the DNA in lots of areas. So we, we will find embryonic apostolic ministry rising up in different places. And rather than saying, what do they think they're doing over there? That should have come through the team. No, that's the emergence of a new team. And we go, go man, go. We'll help you. We'll help you. Now, how quickly that all happens, I mean, we t- I'm kind of looking through binoculars a bit at the end here. But I just want to say that if what we put in now really does shape how things go in the future. And for me, I just want to rejoice that I see loads and loads of new generals emerging. It's not just about apostles. It's about evangelists, pastors, teachers. It's about people working with the poor, business people running um, businesses, community influence, politicians, education. It's, It's about getting the kingdom spread. And not just doing it through one central thing, but just multiplying and multiplying. And I think that's at the heart of these verses. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtains back, don't hold back, lengthen your cords, for you will spread abroad to the right and the left. And if we do that, you have to have a different way of holding it all together. And the way you hold something together that's beyond your ability to see the extremities is by this. You create a family. Because families are together in their heart, even if they're not together in their geography. Geography is very secondary if you're a family at heart. You can, you can build something around a geography but not be a family. But if you build a family, it doesn't matter whether you're on the opposite side of the world, you know that you're family. And so what I'm, I'm kind of just trying to stir and inspire us to is that somehow... As God helps us shape what relational mission looks like, and we don't know, we don't, you never know what your children are going to turn out like, do you? I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, it's always a, a joy and a challenge, isn't it? Just to see what God does with it. So we don't quite know what it's all going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do know this, expansion's coming. And we've got to get that in our hearts, even now in the day of small things, relatively small things, because if we get it right now, and we do what we were just doing earlier, just by worshipping and then soaking up his presence and enjoying him, we sing, O barren one, then God will give us fruitfulness. I genuinely believe that with all my heart. God has made some <laughs> staggering promises, and he wants us to enjoy working with him in the journey. So shall we just stand together? And uh, I'd like us just to sort of respond to that a little bit. I think we've got till half 12, haven't we? I think so, yeah. So we've got a bit of time. Just an um, interesting little thing. Um, I have here a tuning fork. I don't know if this will work. Oh, probably I can do it on here. Is this on? Right. Uh, tuning forks are funny little things, aren't they? Just a tiny little bit of metal. But if you just... That didn't work. Get that? 
It's a funny little noise, isn't it? Now, if I do that again, I want you just to try and get the note. All right, ready? All right, try and get the note and all sing it. All right, ready? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you got it. Oh, keep going. A bit louder, keep going. Keep going. Right, all on the same note. So start, that sounds quite good. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. Oh, some of you need some singing lessons. Come on, just breathe in, that's it. Now, some of us have some, uh, let's have some bass. Some of you drop to the bass. Keep it going. That's better, that's great, right. Now, let's, some of you have the alto. Oh, nice. Any soprano? Anything else? <laughs> just keep going, keep going. I want to hear all those harmonies. Oh, oh, isn't that, oh, isn't that beautiful? Keep going. Yeah, let's have a little bit of uh, a cappello, arpeggio, uh, some scales. Go freestyle. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. I want to just really just get this. Wow. Okay, bring it into land. Now, isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. Voices are beautiful. Now, all it needs is just one note, one value system that we all sing by. And then all the different flavors, sounds, depth, breadth, it all just comes out. And I guess all I'm saying is as God expands us, we just got to build so carefully to that, that one note you know, the, the, the vision, the values, the, the vocabulary, the vehicles, just, just to build tight and deep. And then our role, my role, is just to try and be a bit of a conductor and say, come on, let's, let's, let, the, let's let the harmonies ring out. Let's, wouldn't it be great if that sound went right around the world so you could kind of, wherever you are, you say, oh, I recognize that sound. That's relational mission. Wouldn't that be good? That's, that's biblical. There's something, there's something about the flavor of the New Testament. That I, I, I like that sound. I like that sound. It's in a different language. It's got a different drum beat to it. It's a different culture. But I recognize it. I recognize the sound. To me, that's what apostolic building is about. It's just about multiplying God's essential, the DNA, the things he's put in Scripture that really matter to us. I I don't need to rehearse what all of those are. They're deep values we've held for many years, many of us. So I'd like us just to respond to the Lord so the band can, can come back. Can I... I don't quite know really what to do now. I just feel to respond to the Lord. Do, do you believe, if you just take away my, my, um, uh, my, my limited way of trying to express that expansion is ahead, just take away that. Can you feel something of the weight of God's word to us? Because I think the most important thing is that we respond to what God's overture. Yeah, I, I'm firmly convinced he's promising us expansion for his glory. And I feel somehow we just need to give ourselves in this little bit. I don't know what that looks like. I, and I'm just, you know, we're all leaders here, we're all sort of senior people. So we can be led by the Spirit. I, don't, I shouldn't really need to, I don't need to do it. I've played my part, all right? There's others of you now got a part to play in the orchestra now in this little bit. So perhaps we can just sing something just to focus and then, then let's just see what God does. There may be some praying for each other. There may be some prophecy. Uh, please, some of you, feel free just to lead us however you feel God wants us to respond. Because I want us to just gather as a family to him and say, Lord, right now, take us on. 
into the next phase. Help us to respond to you.